I saw recently um, a movie about twins. It was really hilarious. Anyone see that Arnie Schwarzenegger? And, uh, and, and Danny DeVito as twins. It was the most amazing uh, story. But there's an amazing story in the Bible too about twins. And I just want to talk about them today because what belonged to them and that they struggle with belongs to us. And that's the twin sons of uh, Isaac and Rebecca, Esau and Jacob. And uh, in the Bible it talks about, uh, I'll just read a passage about this. Uh, and, but they, these twins were, were a bit like Arnie Schwarzenegger and, and Danny DeVito because they were totally different. Esau was a big, brawny, strong hunter. Jacob was a gentle, gentle man. And says, when the time came for her to give birth, these twin boys were born in her womb. And the boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter. A man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. Arnie, or Isaac, Isaac no, sorry, Isaac, who had a taste for the game, for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Now, once when Jacob was cooking some stew. Uh, another uh, Bible commentary says some pottage. Esau came in from the open country famished. Now obviously what had happened, he'd gone out hunting, got lost out there, was probably there for days, came back starving and staggered by Jacob's tent. And when Jacob saw him coming, he probably saw him there, ragged, tired, staggering from hunger. And he thought, I'll get him. So once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And that's why he was called Edom. Now Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. You see, because Jacob was the firstborn, even though it was a few minutes before, uh, uh, sorry, when Esau was born just a few minutes before Jacob, he had what they called the birthright. And uh, when Jacob, as, as, and uh, and so he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and then got up and left. 
And so Esau despised his birthright. And it talks about that over in Hebrews in chapter 12. It says this, See to it that none of you misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. And afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. What was his birthright all about? I mean, I don't think it, uh, it certainly doesn't apply to us, being the, the first born in the family, uh, as it seems to do here with, uh, with these people. But it, to them, the birthright was so, so important, being the firstborn in a family. Because if you were a Hebrew child and was the firstborn, then to you belonged, in the days ahead, belonged to you the headship of the family. You made the decisions for the family. You decided what your brother or sister, your brother or sister was going to marry and all that kind of stuff. You became the person who made the decisions. This was really, really important to them. And it also meant that you owned four-fifths of your father's property inheritance. And above all that, this was the thing that caused the, the, the real rip. You lost the spiritual headship. You lost the spiritual headship. In those days, the headship regarding the relationship with God belonged to the eldest son. And he just despised it. And he just tossed it away for a meal. For a meal and a mess of cottage. And so we can see what a, what a fool he was to do that. He was, he was really angry, all that kind of stuff. But he just gave it away. Therefore, and what it says, he wasn't a spiritual man. He did not really care about the grace of God. And so he lost the birthright. Well, I mean, I was the firstborn in our family. And I want to say it was no big deal being the firstborn. As a matter of fact, all that meant was that the dad learned on me, and he was a slow learner. Uh, but, so uh, I can I can have to see no significance, no benefit from being the firstborn in the in the family. But it meant so much to these two people. But in the spiritual, it means it means a lot. Having the birthright. 
He sold out his birthright. And we would say, what a fool. But I, but I wonder just how much we think about this. Because you see, we have we have birthrights that belong to us. I wonder how we treat these birthrights. We have that birthright where when we are born again and brought back into relationship with God. What are some of your birthrights? What are some of my birthrights now? The, the first, I think, the first birthright that belongs to us is the birthright of a lovely character. The birthright of a lovely character. How often we sell out of this birthright? See, when we come into the kingdom, we receive the grace of God and receive the love of God. And we receive so much of a package deal from God that gives to us the incredible potential of growing into his likeness. Having that potential. What have you done about that birthright? How are you developing in the grace of God in that way? What are you taking into your life that makes you grow in grace and in goodness? Because you have that potential. There's no excuse for us not to grow in grace and grow in holiness and grow in righteousness and grow more into his likeness. That, that belongs to every one of us who knows Jesus. And it's so important that we become more like him. I remember a number of years ago, I had the privilege of hosting a man called John Wimber to Australia. He was uh, uh, the founder of the Vineyard Church movement that now has hundreds of churches all over the world. And uh, he, he became a Christian in middle age. Prior to that, he'd, had, uh, he'd been a, a man who belonged to a, a musical group that a few of you will remember called the Righteous Brothers. Do you know, any of you remember the Righteous Brothers? He was one of the members of the Righteous Brothers. He was also big in the drug scene and all these other things. And then he had this amazing experience of receiving Jesus into his life which transformed him. I, I met him after he'd been a, a, a Christian for about 20 years. And uh, he came to Australia with a team to conduct m m meetings all over Australia. And thousands came and to hear him and to be to the, under his teaching. He, he taught about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and. He, his giftings were incredible. His giftings of healing were incredible. An amazing man. And I, I feel, I feel that probably the most godly man I've ever met. He, he was godly in, in, in such a human 
in such a human way. And there, he wasn't, there was nothing ethereal about him. And yet, there was such a godliness about him in everything that went with his life. Within, within 20 years, that, that movement, the Vineyard movement, went around the world. He started churches everywhere. Just wherever he went, churches grew up. Hundreds of people in every meeting that he, he went, people came flocking into the kingdom. And he only spoke in easy, gentle terms. But he was so full of the grace of God and the goodness of God. I remember one of the uh, series of meetings that we had uh, was in Sydney, at the showground in Sydney. And on one of the days, we invited the uh, clergy of Sydney to come and uh, have lunch there and to meet with him. And so about 300 clergy came, ministers, priests, pastors, and we had this luncheon together. At the end of the luncheon, I introduced him. He just sat there and I introduced him to the group of people. And there were questions went to him. And I remember one of them, they said uh, to Mr. Wimber, we, we, we see, we've seen the incredible way that churches have grown up as a result of your ministry. Um, and tell me, what are, you, what are your plans for the future? And uh, as, he, as he said that, 300 heads came forward like this. And John Wimber looked out at this crowd of people. And he just saw the raw ambition was there on their faces. And he started to cry. Tears just rolled down his cheeks. He just sat there looking at them. Then he, then he said, haven't got any plans. You know, I, I've never had any plans. All I ever wanted to do was hang around with Jesus. All I wanted to do, just hang around with him. I just, I just want to become more and more like him. And as I do, Maybe I'm able to do the stuff that he does. Everyone sat back. And there was just quietness in the room. See, that's our birthright. When we can know the Lord, our birthright, our birthright means that we become flesh, blood, spirit, children of God. And we will hear from Him. And we will know from Him. And we will flow from Him. And we will grow from Him as we just hang around with Him. That's, 
That's what John meant. And that's what happened with John. And he claimed nothing of himself except that he had entered into a birthright that belonged to him. This is your birthright. This is your birthright. You lay hold of it. I remember I was uh, sitting in a train and came to Redfern Station a little time. You know those big signs that you see up there, the advertising signs. I remember looking and seeing one of them and here was this guy standing there glugging down a great big glass of milk, which is pretty rare for an Australian to see. Glugging down a big glass of milk. And underneath were written these words, what you eat and drink today walks and talks tomorrow. <laughs> and I thought, what's that about? I thought, that's right. Whatever I take in my body is my strength for the day and for tomorrow. And so it is in the spirit and so it is in the life. As we take in, so we give out. And the grace of God is there to flow in us and through us. And for us to be able to really operate that glorious birthright that belongs to each one of us. What you eat and drink today walks and talks tomorrow. Hanging around with Jesus. Now, what does that mean, hanging around with Jesus? Well, have a read in the Word. It'll tell you how to hang around with Jesus. Love what he loves. And you know what Jesus loves above anything else? Because he's headed it. The church. The church. And I'm not just talking about a bunch of people that happen to be here today. Well, we are the church. And we are his body. But nevertheless, I'm talking about that which is all around the world. And you know, you will see growth when you love the church. You will see the power of God when you love the church. The whole body. Jesus says that in in John, in chapter 17. As the Father loves the Son, so as the, uh, as the Father and the Son are one, so you too be one. You too be one. In other words, when you see the church and think of the church through the, right to the end of the earth and whatever, whatever flavour, whatever background, whatever kind of brand or anything else that it wears, when you see the church, love it. Yeah. Pray for the whole church. Be one with the church. Because Jesus says to be one with the, the church, for us to be one as he and the Father are one. And, but there's a reason for that. Not just so that we can think we're Jewish children. It's far more than that. Because it says, it says that, that you be one. So that the world will know that the Father has sent the Son. You want to see revival? You want to see the church really grow? You want to see people come in the kingdom? Well, love the church. Be one with the church. I remember feeling this a long time ago and thinking, why? 
can't the church be one? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we one big organization? Well, Jesus wasn't talking about us being one big organization. He was talking about us one big people who love one another. And when we do, we'll grow. And we'll see the church going. Someone said, I said, to say, how are you going to, how's it going to happen? Someone said to me, well, Dan, you start it. You become one with the church. You become one. Have a sense of loving the body. And you'll see the grace of God in operation. How do we hang around with Jesus? Well, we hang around with those that Jesus hung around with. The poor, the needy, the broken, the hurt. Here's where, here's where the people are looking. That's, that's your birthright. To love the church like Jesus loved. And to love those around you like Jesus loved those around him. And he loved the needy. And he loved the broken. And he loved the hurt. And he loved the lonely. How do we hang around with Jesus? Well, we go where Jesus went. went to those and he brought God's love and grace wherever he went. It's really interesting, isn't it? You notice when Jesus goes for a walk somewhere, something amazing happens with people who are needy, needy people. There's another birthright that belongs to you. And, it happened, and that, that birthright has been for the last 2,000 years in particular. It's been building up right through the whole scriptures. We can see it. That red line that goes right through from the lamb that's slain from the foundation of the world right through to the cross. And there we see this red line. And that is the birthright of salvation. You, every, all, all of us, the whole world, we were now born into a world that Jesus saves. Jesus saved the whole world 2,000 years ago. He died for the whole world. You read about it. But the sad, sad thing is not the whole world gets hold of it. And even the, uh, people in the life of the church, I've known people that have been in the life of the church for years and still haven't laid hold of that birthright. Have you laid hold of that birthright? What's that birthright? That birthright is being saved through the work of Jesus Christ, through the blood of the cross of Jesus, whereby he died and rose again so that you can have salvation, eternal life. That belongs to you. And yet there can be people living in the life of the church and under the shadow and the shade of the church and have been in the life of the church for the years who have never laid hold of it. And there are people who have heard it and known it and have been challenged with it and have gone through this life and out into a Christless eternity, needing never to have that. 
But he died for the whole world. He died for everyone. He died for those who'd spit on him and laugh at him and mock him and jeer him. He'd laugh at those who would just not even care. He died for all of those. And for you. And for you. I'd be pretty sure that most of us here laid hold of that person. I won't ask you to show hands, but I'm sure that most of you have. But there's another part of that birthright that we need to lay hold of. And that is, he has called us to be agents of salvation, to receive salvation and to become agents of salvation. He has given to us the wonderful privilege of sharing with the world that he has died for the sins of the world. <laughs> Have you laid hold of that birthright? Have you taken opportunity of that? Have you been able to share that with those around you who need to know? That belongs. That's your birthright. Have you laid hold of it? He called us to be, what did he call us to be? witnesses. Every person who comes into the kingdom is called to be a witness of what Jesus Christ has done to bring salvation to us. That's your birthright. Yet you're wonderful. And there's no greater opportunity than right now. Because we're living in a world that's in turmoil. We're living in a world. I don't, I don't need to expand on that. Just say the word COVID. It covers it all. What is taking place within the world? The incredible insecurity. And in the passage I read to you this, just this, uh, a while ago from Hebrews chapter 12, he describes what that is for you and I. We, it says that we, therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We live, you and I, who have received the grace and the wonder of God's salvation. We are living in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That cannot be shaken. And we're living in a world that is shaking like never before, right now. There's the fears and the, and the senses of, of incompleteness and the worries of what lies up ahead and all the stuff in people's minds and thinking. Right now, if ever there was a need of you and I to go to the say, you can belong to the kingdom that cannot be shaken. God is sovereign and Lord above all things and you have no need to fear. Yeah, good. We're hearing all the time now, we need to get more people to deal with people's mental needs and problems today. How much it's increasing. Well, it is increasing throughout the world and we even feel it. But we live in, we live in the kingdom that cannot be 
God is sovereign and God is above all and God is Lord and Lord and Lord. That's your privilege. The wonderful birthright of salvation is yours and the wonderful birthright of being a witness of that salvation to the rest of the world. And I want to tell you, people are listening today. People are open today. Take it. Share it. You've got the best news that anyone can ever bring to the world. It's yours. And finally, we've got that lovely birthright of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's what enables, enables you and I. Paul puts it so beautifully. When he says, God has unfolded the mystery now that was there through the ages, but that mystery is unfolded. You have this birthright. You have this birthright. And that mystery that is unfolded is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in in you. That's your birthright. From the moment you come into the kingdom, you have the glorious birthright of Christ in you. What does that mean? That means that you have the giftings, the graces, the goodness, the wonder, the love, the power, all of this stuff is there available within us as we lay hold of the birthright that's ours. As we lay hold and begin to operate, it's there to operate. You don't have to do great things. You just have to be someone who knows that within them is the grace and the love and the wonder and the mercy of God. Just before our new pastor, pastors came to be with us, we had a visitor here at the church. And uh, he was a man in his 40s. And there was a chair put up there for him. and. And someone came and took his arm and helped him up the steps and sat him down. And he began to speak. His name was Phil Camden. He was a pastor of the Macquarie Church. And he was in the last stages of that uh, disease where you go paralyzed. What's it called? Motor neuron. Motor neuron disease. And it's a dreadful disease that takes over the whole body and destroys the whole body. And uh, he sat there and he shared. Shared beautifully from Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm. And he gave some comparisons of what he was going through with what David shared in that psalm. 
And he just came to the end, or near to the end of it. And he said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he said, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful passage there. And, and just, just think that God's goodness and God's mercy just follow me all the days of my life, and that's happened. His mercy's followed me all the way. It's been wonderful. His grace is, and have we, we think of that, don't we? When we think of the shepherd's son, and how we are blessed by God's grace and blessed by his mercy. And then Phil said, you know, I've come to know, to realize, that that isn't really what that means. It's not God's mercy, God's love following me at the end of my life. It's I have within me God's grace, grace. I have within me his mercy. I have within me his love. And wherever I go, his mercy goes, his love goes, his goodness goes, his grace goes. Wherever I go, it flows, it floods, it goes, it develops, it helps, it creates, it causes. I'm part of it all. And that's your birthright. To so know the grace and the love and the mercy of God within you that wherever you go and whatever you do, and I think of John Wimble and I think of that, wherever you go and whatever you do, you touch the world with his grace and you touch the world with his mercy and you touch the world with his love. That's your greatest ministry. That's your most wonderful birthright. That belongs to every one of us. Never mind our giftings and all the things that we may have educationally or every other way or knowledge way. But the thing that you and I could do most of all is to be the agents of the wonder of God to the world around us. And we thank Jesus for all of that. What a great message. Who, who got something out of that? You know, our, our birthright, it's a, it's a gift, a free gift, but it's a responsibility we have with it. And um, let's not throw it away. Let's not treat it as just uh, something that's, oh, it's just, oh, it's nice. But God's given us something so beautiful and powerful in all the stuff that, that Dan shared with us. And, and you and I have a responsibility with that. So why don't we stand together and we're going to pray. Father God, we just thank you for Dan. We thank you for his life showing us that he has taken his birthright. And the responsibility and the, and the presence and the power and the joy that he has taken it. And he's walked his days walking in all you've called him to do. And Lord, I pray for us as we listen and hear or watch this, this message. Lord, I pray each one of us would, would get a greater glimpse of the inheritance that we have in Jesus. 
and the responsibility and joy and privilege we have to be agents, to, to, be, to be able to take that to a world that is desperate, to our, to our nation that is uncertain and unsure. Lord, we, we pray that your church, your people, not just our church here, but your church, we pray that they would rise up with a greater understanding of who you've called us to be. And we will not sit down. We will not sit back. We will not take it easy. We will do all that you've called us to do. And we will do it with joy, knowing that you are with us even to the end of our days, that you will never leave us. And so, Lord, we thank you for this word. And Holy Spirit, I pray that this word would resonate in our hearts and our minds and our spirits, that you will keep us unsettled when we start to get settled. And that uh, we would uh, just rethink of all you've called us to do and who you've called us to be. And that you're with us in the midst of all of that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Dan another big hand of thanks.